I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Mark and um, believers here and those online. Would hope that this touches you and definitely as it uh, has spoken to me and I kind of got called, I think it was this past uh, uh, spring, they reached out and said, hey, you know, we're looking to do these. Would you be interested? And I said, always interested to come in and <clears throat> share a message. And um, what you're going to see here is nothing new. Uh, obviously, God's word is, is, is meaningful to all of us. Uh, but the context that I'm going to bring shouldn't be new to some of you, may be brand new to you. But there's a little twist and a little perspective that I want to dig really deep because that's where God will change your life, right? He'll change your world in terms of, hey, this worked for so-and-so, this worked for so-and-so. But I would say, too, is may those that are seeing this, even that maybe not be in this room, Truly look at what the perspective of what God has shared with you through this message and how you look to walk and change your perspective and where you continue to deal with different challenges that often can come because of this world. But we're all in God's creation, right? And the cool thing with God's creation is that it's all meant to be. We're all here for that moment, that time, and we're called to account to that moment and that time. And how we interact is all up to how we perceive and bring Jesus, who should be in our hearts, bring Jesus forward. So my main message here today is really focused in on the opportunity to understand what belief to faith. And we can say, oh, well, that's pretty easy. I stand there, John 3.16, confess, I believe, and I have faith. Well, often, though, I would challenge you as you start to look through this, and we'll introduce the first thought is as you start to look at how we perceive belief and how we perceive faith can often be a challenge. And it was really interesting a couple of weeks ago, I turned to my wife sitting here, and thank you, Carrie, for being here tonight. Um, and I said, oh, that's so interesting, as Pastor Gene was giving an awesome message and talking about faith and how we have to continue to, to strive forward and stir up our faith. I went, check this one out, you know, and I had already had this done. I said, oh, we're just going to continue to pour on top of that. So I hope you're blessed here this evening. And uh, as Pastor Mark opened us in prayer, we continue to lean on God's faith and, and reverence as we move through. So your first thought here tonight, as you can see, is the emphasis that we place on Christ's belief is key to the power of faith. <clears throat> and we we'll look at that, and it's really critical that we understand what does that individual that's still alive today, that 2,000 years ago went to the cross, and we come to accept what he did as finished work on the cross, how does that belief power my faith? How does that power faith? And that's really where we have to look at this, and I, I find a model here that I'll walk through in a little bit that really transformed my life if I have to kind of think back and say when I was called to, hey, why don't you go ahead and speak about this? What really changed your life? I think, well, wait a minute. There's a lot of different things that changed my life. The opportunity to be married for, you know, 23 plus years, have wonderful children, and, you know, an opportunity to walk in a step that, you know, I've called, been called to a, a profession of education and stand there and go, I, I never finished my first year of college. I dropped out. But yet God had a different plan, right? And through all of that, I look and say, what is it? You know, and so I'm going to kind of dabble maybe some personal stuff, but I really just want to get into the context tonight. I'm going to share with you my first uh, verse and my favorite verse being Colossians 1, 16 through 17, in that for in him all things, right, all things are created. 
things in heavens and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So the key, as I look at a foundational verse of anybody choosing a verse for me, I stand there and go, you know what? When anything really hits rock bottom or a challenge, I have to come back and remember, you know what? It doesn't matter. Everything is held through this, this bond, this, this infrastructure of who we are in this creation and standing here on this, uh, on this platform, on this, uh, this um, carpet, all of the things, and you stand there and say, it's the glorious nature of God at Genesis 1-1 and all of the, the Genesis series that we've dug through, but what he's created and knowing that at the end of the day, it's really just the beginning as we have that relationship with Christ and everything that he's done. And, and it's, it's so amazing as to how this has manifested itself, you know, as, as I come to continuously look and go, what is that, that, that reason, that why? And even in faith, all things, faith is included in that all things. <clears throat> so I bring to you and propose this is that what's changed my life is going through, and I, I said this uh, just earlier, but a couple of years back we did the Holy Spirit piece, and I brought some of this in around Blackaby, and I think Mama June, you go, I remember that one. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to dig deeper because this is really, really what has changed my life. And so some of you show hands in the room, who's, who's read through or um, understands the seven realities of Christ and the Blackaby model? Handful of you. <clears throat> so you, you may be familiar with this, but I'm going to put a little bit of my... I can say it now, the Dr. Kuiper on the back end of it, that there's something there that I look and go, it was right. The, the Blackaby model is fantastic. But I look and say, there's one piece that I go, you know what, for me, I just had to tweak it. And it changes the whole perspective of how we're to act and how we're to enter, uh, enter into this world, this creation that is, is broken. But as unbroken individuals, we can participate and change the world for anybody in that perspective. So I'd ask you to kind of walk through this with me. For those that are familiar with it, you may be able to move ahead a little bit. <clears throat> but you're going to kind of walk through this on your worksheet because I have to give you the foundation. And you have to understand the foundation in order to see where this goes from truly my, what's changed my life and perspective. So the first one we start to look at is where number one, God's working. God's always working around us. And as you start to look at that believer or unbeliever, God's working. You may say, hey, you know, I'm an atheist. Well, an atheist has to believe in something. And often atheists stand there and say, well, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting and arguing and all of a sudden becoming the reality of, well, God's doing something or there's somebody there doing work. <clears throat> and so we start to look at God's work starting in the garden and in, in the new creation and moving on through. And even as I was praying over the past couple of days and standing there and today or uh, last night, God actually revealed and goes, you know what? It's just as I say in my prayer, thy will be done as earth as it is in heaven. He's still continuing to say, wait a minute, regardless if we look at this, heaven's going to be coming down to earth. So he's always working. If we truly believe in what Jesus said, this is how we're supposed to pray and walk through that. <clears throat> so God is always working around you. As we look even at the other scriptures here, you start to see Jeremiah 1.5, the famous verse of you were formed. I knew you before you were formed in the womb and I appointed you as prophets to the nations. <clears throat> Acts 26, 16, we can move in, and I'm going to kind of uh, jump all throughout the Bible here this evening. 
I spend most of my time in the New Testament, <clears throat> is now get up, stand up to your feet and appear before you to appoint you as servants and as witnesses of what you've seen and will see of me. And so God's always going to be step ahead in working in his plan. <clears throat> so number two is where you start to look and say, well, wait a minute, I can continue on down a path here. Well, Blackaby kind of provides us a lot of different models, but we'll go from one to seven, and you'll start to see how it all plays out. But he takes us off on these one wonderful little journeys in life, right? And what he does is God will call you to a relationship. And hopefully we've all had the opportunity to understand what that relationship means. But God can call you to a relationship and all of a sudden you start to find that that relationship could be relational, but I truly don't know what it means to be relational with Christ. So I can be there. God pursues a continuously loving relationship with you that's real and personal. So there can be individuals walking out there, never believing, never coming to faith. And does God still love them? Yes. God still have a relationship. You, you are relational with others as a believer and can be there and still showing and manifesting the greatest commandment of, of love. And we look to Acts 4, and while salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name above heaven given to mankind for which we must be saved, we can look to say, well, nobody's truly ever even looked at that and said, hey, I'm here and understanding what that relationship is while God's still relational. Still loving him, still running after him. For it's by grace that we've been saved, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And it's from the, the gifts of God that not by works, so we can't boast. So we have to look to say, well, wait a minute. While God works, it's his works, it's not my works. I work for him, he works through me, and he works through me for relationships. We come to that ever important invitation. And if I have to have you focus on anything today, I would tell you to truly focus on number three, and then I'll give you a couple more that you'll have an opportunity to focus on. But this is where, you know, it truly manifested and, and came to account in, in importance to myself as I look to say, you know, truly, I, I know when I came to understand and accept the Lord, but that invitation has always continuously evolved in a manner that I knew when I accepted, but yet looking at the invitation, it's always opening further doors. It's always pointing back to, do you remember when? And then where I've taken you on this? Because that invitation in, in terms of eternity <coughs> is... is is always going to be a point, but it doesn't matter because eternity is always around it and always functioning, always becoming a point to where that, once it's been grabbed on and held onto, it's that invitation. And what he does is he says, wait a minute, I want you to come and become a part of my work, to truly understand that work, right? And we start to then come into where we look and we're pre-chosen in Ephesians moves uh, earlier on in Ephesians, you get Ephesians 1.11, and in him we're chosen and have predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything, conformity and purpose of his will. And so we say, well, wait a minute, if my name is in the book of life and I've gotten an invitation and I'm there to work with him and God loves me, it's truly the invitation to where then we move into the next level and we start to understand where we have confidence in being chosen to do the good work that Christ calls us. And we start to see Paul 
lays out in Philippians there, and that we're going to carry that on to the day of Christ, because we're all going to be there with him. And understanding what that truly means is critical to say, okay, yeah, I've got the invitation and so many people just stand there and hang on to the invitation or maybe understand the invitation, but never truly accepted the invitation. <clears throat> because then we move to the third piece is where God speaks. And this one I always love because somebody can stand there and say, well, God doesn't really talk to me and, or anybody else anymore. You know, that, that was uh, Old Testament and uh, we're beyond. Jesus is, is, is in heaven, so he doesn't really speak. But we can stand there and say, well, wait a minute. God actually speaks through several different factors. He's going to speak through the Holy Spirit, number one. If you're truly saved and you truly understand what that means, there's that conviction of the Holy Spirit, that connection of the Holy Spirit. But he also speaks through the Bible and through prayer and circumstances and the church to reveal his purposes and his ways. And so I love this where Blackaby does lay this out because it was, as we look and say, well, even those that could be unbelievers, they can read the Bible, right? I mean, even we, we stand there and heard Sunday, uh, you know, the, the, the whole uh, various messages on belief and faith. And I think even Pastor Gene, you said, you know, the, the, the devil even knows the Bible better than some of us out there. And so we can, we can look at this from a perspective of Bible and, and knowing that somebody may be praying for us, but are we truly receiving the Holy Spirit and that invitation? And so all of this kind of, it, it's interesting because Blackaby lays it out linear. And while it's a linear straight path from one to seven, you kind of get these little offshoots. But there's this sort of cycle that occurs in between there. And so I'm going to try to lay it out a little bit later and, and really understand where that flips. But he looks to say, hey, let me search the hearts and uh, search our hearts and knows the minds of the spirit. Because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with their will of God as we look at Romans 8, 27. <clears throat> And no one who has fashioned us for this very purpose in God, who has given us the spirit, has deposited guarantee of what's to come. And we know that it is only really through that spirit that's going to call us to the, the, the true connection in the account. And I think, um, honey, I'd pick on you a quick second. Uh, I think it was this past uh, winter, there was a church in Tampa where a gentleman was standing there, and, and I think you'd probably find it out there somewhere on, on Instagram or, or Facebook that, <clears throat> but it was, uh, a, was it a Rice Church? A Rice Church in, in Bradenton. And, and they had this spiritual awakening in that occurring, and gentleman kind of comes up, and you think, as, as a pastor or whatever, if somebody's coming up to the stage, you know, they're not going to just come stand up right up next to the pastor, because I saw that, and I thought, oh, this was all planned, pre-planned in that, and he's like, no, you know, you, you have to also believe the pastor when he stands there and having been to the church, you know, it's, it's a, it's a Bible believing spirit filled church. And this guy goes, Hey, you know, God told me to come up here. And we're standing like, huh? Okay. You know, what, what's that mean? And he goes, I'm an atheist. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I, I, I caught the back end of this message. So you'll love this, but I'm standing, standing there going, wait a minute here. You're, you're an atheist. And he goes, but ultimately at, at this moment in time, 
God's telling me to come up here. And I thought, well, if God's telling you to come up there, you're not an atheist. But at that moment, he had accepted Christ. And it was amazing because his wife, I think uh, she had said for several years, was standing there praying. And he just had chosen to go to church that one day and kind of sit back there in a mind of, you know what, mm, you know, just kind of the, the, the muff and the puff that you can see some, some people that are unbelievers. And the fact that the spirit was working in that room and to hear that, and, and, and I probably didn't give it as much oomph and, and, and that, that if you actually watched it and looked at it, I will stick to that point of, wait a minute, you're standing there and you're saying, I am an atheist, but I thought, no, you, you walked through, you accepted Christ as you moved through this, so you're no longer, you can't profess as an atheist, you're actually a believer. But to watch that transformation and you stand there and say, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't work, people don't believe in that, and you can sometimes people can go, well, that's just guff and that. There's moments where you stand there and you can just, for, a, for a, just a millionth of, of of truth and the promise that Christ has given to all of us that that happens and you cannot at any any stage deny that Christ and, and Jesus and all of that's not real and that's not working because the the matter of how somebody shows up at a door walks in sits in a room and that and you can say oh it's all planned out you know they paid him this that whatnot no there's too many chances and too many things that all of a sudden in life you just witness those and you go wow but I also ask you to hang on to that <clears throat> because as we move through this model, we start to get to this step five. We move from God speaks to this crisis of belief. And this is the other one that kind of ties into number three and where I agree with Blackaby on this model. There is a moment to where we can have a crisis of belief. <clears throat> And the way he defines crisis of belief is God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. And so we start to think through that and we start to think through our lives and where crisis can occur. And I'll cover that in, in, in a little bit more in depth here in a moment. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of life. That who believes in me will what? Live. And even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And he's saying this to his apostles. And you stand there and you kind of under, understand what that perspective of belief and moving that belief to what faith and action. It's a matter of that number three if we look back at our model here, number three truly became as a conduit of number four into number five where there's a moment, there's a moment that belief has to occur. Because we can't stand on the confidence we have in Christ without belief, right? But I also propose to you today, I would ask you to reconsider that number five and I'll give you a model that may tweak it just a, a tad bit more and give you the extra steroids and that little extra juice that sometimes you can look and go, wait a minute, this is what God's truly calling us as believers to do and not just stand in a mode to where all of a sudden there's a crisis of belief. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. Because that's the world we're in, right? Look at inflation. I can't believe that the cost of eggs are, you know, X amount of money. <clears throat> But there's a different point. <clears throat> but we also must always thank God for your brothers and sisters loved by the Lord because he chose you 
as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through the belief in the truth. So he always is, is first choosing, right? Those first believers, the first acts church, those individuals, but yet what's happened? The church has exploded and grown, and all because of what? Belief. That there's a moment. If you think of the moment that you came to Christ, you can think of that moment and those that ultimately you look at what's happened. Was it potentially out of a crisis? Was there some issue there that we look and say, well, that's rather negative. But it, sometimes, you know, what God's got to do is going to cut you down at the knees, get you in that moment of prayer and look to say, well, wait a second. I'm in this mode to where I need, I can't do this all on my own. I need somebody else. I need, I need this ever-loving power, this love that everybody tells me is a part of this relationship I can have. I need that. And so that's where then we look to that. But as we continue to move along, what he calls us to, and, and I love how Blackaby says this, and God's always, you know, standing there. <clears throat> he gives us free will, right? That started in the garden and then moved continuously on. And you look at all the stories in the Bible, and there's a lot of free will, a lot of different decisions. You go, oh, what if they, you know, and where, you know, but <clears throat> you start to look through that. And what he does is he calls us to make those adjustments. You know, we look through and uh, go back through the, uh, um, the, the prior lesson that we just did where we walked through and um, got into Moses and, and all of the, the different laws and the rules and, and all of that. You start to look at the must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he's doing. <clears throat> well, you stand there and say major adjustments. How can you quantify major adjustments? Might be minor adjustments, major adjustments teaching a personal finance class and had to record a whole bunch of sessions in that. And, uh, you know, one of the pieces was like, oh, wait a minute, in order to achieve a long-term goal, it takes short-term goals to get there. And so you start to look at that, that major adjustment and um, you, you, you start to figure out, well, wait a minute, I do need to move towards that. Yeah, you need to stop doing this and move that direction. You need to pivot and change and turn. But ultimately, it's continuous adjustments and it's continuous obedience till we have sight. <clears throat> and nevertheless, we see in Second uh, Timothy 2.19, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. Amen for that, right? <clears throat> And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from their wickedness. <clears throat> and just knowing we can't do this on our own, thank God for the blood of Christ to where if we continuously sin, yeah, he's got us covered, yet we can't grow as Christians if we continuously are in this prevalent, uh, vicious cycle of sin and moving through and, and not truly understanding that, wait a minute, we can move in another direction and continue to move forward and bring the true works of God in the creation. You imagine if people just, just an ounce of taking away and, and doing the will of God versus doing the will of the world. <clears throat> you start to look then, therefore confess the sins and uh, pray for each other as James tells us, so that we may be healed and pray for the righteous person and the power and the effectiveness. And you stand there and go, well, I can do the latter part, right? I'll pray for the righteous person. That's powerful in that. But me, I'm not going to stand there and continuously confessing my sins. You know, as, and, and often as, as Christians, we can stand there and feel that we're the most uprighteous. 
but yet we're going to go out there and do the exact same thing that even the unsaved are doing uh, in, in terms of, you know, having an issue out there on the road or, you know, doing some other minor thing. But yet we stand there and say, well, where's the power? And we wonder. And yet we can stand here and even as we're called to James is, is, is continue to, to move forward, continue to change our perspective, our paradigm in those adjustments. <clears throat> And the last one here is obey in experience. <clears throat> so it's rather interesting because I, I said, you know, one could go to seven, right? God's working. And you can have people that are Old Testament. <clears throat> you look at the Jews, you know, and God still loves the Jews. And you look at all of the rules and the, the way that the, the world works within a Jewish person's paradigm. And it may not be. They may be aware of that opportunity, be aware that, hey, you know, Jesus was not the Messiah. We're still waiting <clears throat> and not having that adjustment, that Christian walk of faith and still recognize that God's working and what, you know, they obey and experience God. So you can look at that and say, I don't necessarily need to go from one to seven. I can go uh, one through, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I can go one to seven, just depending on, on who I am as an individual. I could be a non-believer and still obey. I obey rules and laws, and I acknowledge that there's, there's a, you know, there's something out there. There's creation. There's something. Yeah, I stand on this thing that's, you know, out there and gravitationally holding me. There's water. There's sky. You know, whether they've truly read and understand what God's creation has done for them and what can continue to do for them, but yet can move through that. It's really this path that we're all on as believers. And you can look and say it's sort of a cycle instead of a path. It's going to be your life as it moves forward. And you look through that. <clears throat> And so where I just ask you to kind of take an opportunity and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into a couple of these pieces is taking consideration the fall and the mess and not necessarily the fall that will wait a minute. You know, we're all there. We already discussed the opportunity for believers and those to come to really understand truly what it, it means to become a part of Christ in, in the work that God's kingdom is happening here. But I look at the crisis and reality of today. That's the piece that I want you to dig a little bit deeper in with me here. <clears throat> so while we gave you the seven, here's where the, the reality truly hits, right? Because does this truly matter each and every day here on earth? It does. But you know where it really matters? Right there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. You know, we're all going to be called to eternity at some point in time. This is a fact. Everybody's going to die. That's just the way that creation and the fall happens. So that's, that's your fall. We're all going to die. And if somebody says they're not going to die, well, welcome to eternity because we're all going to die. We're going to lose these bottle, bodies and, and move to eternity. But the reality of eternity is what? <coughs> Christianity 101. It's either heaven with God or hell without God. <coughs> and so then we look to this, and I think to understand where we are, we're all breathing in this room, so we're on this side of, of the line. <clears throat> As we're in this room, to truly understand where this goes. And I'm not here as, as a believer to discount which direction is there because of every bit of confidence. If you're 100% standing there firm in your faith and said, you know what, Jesus, I love you. I'm a sinner. Believed. You're in my heart. You're a part of, 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 of my life now. I'm going to go forward and continue to do my best in your kingdom and be a part of this thing called th that you call heaven. That's great. 
But guess what? I can tell you all that we're going to live in a crisis. That's the world we live in. That's the reality. And that number five just didn't sit well with me. So I said, you know what? Let's dig in a little bit deeper. And so we're going to dig in deeper on, on crisis. And so in Hebrew, you got mashper. And in Greek, you got krisos or krino. So crisis means broken or incomplete things. That's the world we live in. That's the reality of the fruit and the fall. A separating power of distinguishing decisions, choices, election, judgment, and dispute. And so you look at that, <coughs> excuse me, and we all have that free will. And we know that the choice, the decisions, the things that we can have out there can lead to a crisis. It's just natural. But we start to look at this thing that's defined as a crisis of belief, and I really have to question, as you look at a crisis of belief, and you look at it from the eternal perspective, <clears throat> when we start to say, okay, well, wait a minute, either I want to be with, with God, or I, I choose not to, and I'm going to continue to be there, is then I can stand there and I can say, hey, once I get in and I'm there with <clears throat> belief, we have to define what is belief really? Because we can say, well, not even, and, and this one was kind of hitting me as I was thinking over the past several days and walking through the last sentence, I thought, I'm standing in Believer's Church. You know, you're, you're trying to change, I'm not changing the name of the church. It is a different perspective because you first have to be a believer. It is all about being belief, <clears throat> but there's a whole other aspect of this. So if you look at belief, and in the Greek, and I'm spending more time in the New Testament because that's really where the blood is at. That's where we're called to say, hey, you know what? Jesus is a part of my life. Didn't have in the Old Testament. It's the New Testament. So I'm going to stick with the Greek on that. <clears throat> is the peace to, is the word that, that's there. To be convicted of something or to give credence to. Mainly, it's something taken to be true. That's what belief is. So... Is it true that this paper is white with black print on it? You can say no, it's red with blue print. No, it's white with black print. It's black and white. <clears throat> you can say, well, I believe in Jesus. And you continue to even have that belief in Jesus that, hey, he truly was Jesus' son. He truly did die something to be taken into account that it's true. There's so many people that are telling the story in so many different ways. How can you have, you know, several books in, in the Bible that give you a whole different paradigm and different perspective, but everybody's telling the same thing? Well, something's got to be true there. <clears throat> and so that's the critical moment to where we start to look and say, well, wait a minute, I have my crisis of belief, but instead of that just turning into a crisis of belief, it becomes a reality. The reality that all of a sudden, if I, if I don't believe and just remain in this crisis of belief, am I truly saved? Am I truly in an understanding of what that belief meant? Am I truly in a world where my belief is so strong that it translates into what the finished work on the cross did for me? And as I move through that, <clears throat> we start to look and say, now faith, and love this, this verse in Hebrews, 
Now, faith is a confidence in which what? We have hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Because if we believe something, we may not see it. I told you this was black and white and whatnot. But I can tell you, you know what? It's, it's sunny and it's 80 degrees outside. Well, you're going to step outside. You can, you can feel it. You can see it. But in here, if I told you that, you'd say, well, you're probably right within a few degrees. <clears throat> and without faith, it's impossible to see God or to please God, right? Because anyone who approaches him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so as we continue to seek him, do we seek him through belief? We know he's alive. We, we, we see him as an individual in our hearts and in our, our readings of the word and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and everything else that happens out there. So how do we see him? We see him in faith, right? So we look at faith and it's pistis in Greek. It's persuasion, credence, moral conviction of truth. Truthfulness of God, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. Kind of love that one when I found that out in the blue letter. <clears throat> the reliance and trust in its endurance that even in the manifestation of doubts, what? Doesn't matter. He exists. So we look here and understand that even in a point of doubt, which doubt, doesn't that kind of parlay over to crisis? You start to look and say, well, let's choose the option here, right? Is it a crisis of faith or is it a crisis of belief? Because there should only be one point in time where it's a crisis of belief. And then I would flip the script and say, in reality, it should be more the crisis of faith. As believers should always become a crisis of faith. <clears throat> we stand there and look at this. And we have to understand Romans 5, 2, 6. Because of our faith, Christ has bought us from the place of undeserved privilege where now we stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. <clears throat> so at some point, the challenge is going to be that as you move through and have these crises or these challenges or these issues, do we turn? And I can remember, and my, uh, my wife and I can stand there and think over 23 years of marriage, where truly it's an opportunity to turn and go, this is a crisis of faith because I'm not going to stand in a crisis of, of, of belief. <clears throat> I believe that this or that, whatnot, I, I left that when I entered into a new world, a new realm, and now I'm standing in here of maybe a crisis of faith. And I just need to, to, to pony it up. I need to pull up the bootstraps and continue moving forward. We need to be in faith because even myself, I thought, well, geez, you standing there maybe being a hypocrite because there's times where I'll say I can't believe. But what about I can't believe versus I have faith that I can't believe I have faith that you start to see the paradigm and the shift in just that one thing. If you can stand there and say, well, wait a minute. I'm going to lose this, I can't believe. I have faith that. And all of a sudden, what starts to happen? You're praying over this situation instead of all of a sudden becoming a part of the world that, oh, that belief. You're, you're showing to others that, you know what, this faith, this thing we call Jesus, it's not real. You know, yeah, you believe in him, but he's not staying in there doing anything for you. And it's an opportunity to continue to drive that forward. And we look at... <clears throat> At the uh, Hebrews 12, a little bit further, it says, Therefore, since we've been surrounded by such great cloud of witness, 
we have our Holy Spirit here, let us throw off every encumbrance and sin so that we, it easily entangles us to let us run with endurance the race that's set out before us because it is a marathon, not a sprint. If we want to sprint to eternity, well, we might just run out there in front of Bomar and get hit by a car. <clears throat> but in reality, God has called us to a marathon and we should continue to move forward and not be in disbelief, but we should be in faith that let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author, perfecter of our what? Faith and for who the joy set before us and him who endured the cross, scorning its shame. I love that in there that just I wanted to color that one. And I thought, yeah, he just, you know what? Cross is not a cross has meaning. And it certainly is there where Jesus is like, I left that. He dropped the cross behind and he's standing there in eternity going, yeah, you need to go through. You need to accept and understand what I did there. But that cross has no power over me anymore. Right. And stands there and says and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we can stand there and hang on to this point of faith. But yet, remember, we live in this world. And that's where I can stand here, and I'm glad I did not know I had this one standing there when I was going to say that point of, of hypocrisy. Because I, I do know there's times where I'll stand there and say, hey, I can't believe, I can't believe. But even myself, I've got to change that perspective and say, I have faith that, and this is why. You can stand firm on Hebrews 12 in knowing that the world's going to tangle us, but guess what? It doesn't matter. We've got to move on. Can't stand in verse 1. We've got to flip over to verse 2. And moving forward, we start to see here that the model kind of shifts. So I love Blackaby's model. Twist a little bit extra added onto it because we got to take it to a point to where even if you're out there owning your own 50 feet, you can walk through this, explain it. It works. It makes sense. But the way that it should truly make sense to us when we live it and breathe it and our faith-filled believers walking through is that invitation what turns into a crisis of faith. We're going to have crisis of faith. We can't live in this world without that crisis of faith. Because if we're living in this world without a crisis of faith, well, then we got to start to understand what is it that we're not doing in this world that God's called us to do. And understanding what we can do to continue to drive forward his mission, his call, because we're all there held to account to eternity. <clears throat> and we start to see here, we're experiencing God in crisis in number five as believers. We had a crisis in belief. You know when that happened. You can put a pin in it and say, this is when I came to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then I can turn and I can say, well, God's invitation for you to work with him, what always leads you even in crisis of faith. So I just tweak it just ever so slightly. Even in crisis of faith requires your action. Instead of a crisis of belief, you already believe. Now guess what? Let's walk forward in faith and continue to bring action. Continue his work. Continue to be moving forward and doing what we have in 1 Timothy is fight that good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so if you're looking for an anchor verse to say, how do you tie that into saying, wait a minute, I take that faith and no longer is this a crisis of faith. I have faith that, or a crisis of belief. I have faith that, well, in 1 Timothy 2, because I stood in front of witnesses and said, guess what? I'm here. I understand truly what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I am committed to my faith and I'm going to continue to carry that fight, that faith fight forward. <clears throat> and then we end with a couple last ones <clears throat> in terms of the adjustments 
and understanding that as we come through, we no longer have the crisis of belief. It becomes what the crisis of faith. But those adjustments, those adjustments are a little bit different. Those adjustments should continue to call us to account when we are walking in sin or when there's a reality of, of, uh, of a challenge in the world and we need to continue to make the long-term adjustments towards eternity and the short-term changes that God's called us and continues to convict us through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but those adjustments change. <clears throat> Why is it not working? There we go. To more of a mindset. It's the mind. It's that piece where I just said, I can't believe that. Well, that's a mind shift. I have faith that, right? Because if I can continuously change and train my mind, my heart to say, wait a minute, I have faith that eternal optimism that this is going to happen. I look to encouragement. You know, there's times where you, you stand there and I look to my wife and go, she's the best encourager in the world. And knowing that as you start to get into those different pieces, the world's going to play with your mind. You can stand there and say, well, it's the devil playing with Well, it, it, it's the world playing with your mind. And we start to look at even like social media, start to look at other things that are influencing this world. And it is often challenging to stand there in a mindset that it's the mind that often can cause then the heart to do what the heart does and deceiving you know, various things uh, and, and accepting that of the world. And so then we look to say, well, wait a minute, my obedience in my experience then becomes a change of heart set and mindset. Because I can, I can stand there and change my mind, but then I, I, I may have carnal thoughts or carnal issues that I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to, those are there, they, they, they come in, they, you know, can't let them out. And so then we stand there and say, well, wait a minute, if we let that translate and go down, what, 12, 16 inches to our heart, all of a sudden we start to see this thing. And I always, I would love to do a message around heart set. You know, it's a hashtag heart set, you know, like let, let's, let's think about what does that truly mean? Because mindset is all out there. It's, it's becoming a part of the secular world. Like you got to change your mindset, do this and do that. <clears throat> but that I would say can be the world. The world can have a little bit of the mindset. I would say they did get that out of the Bible. There's areas where that you got to conform your mind, understand, read the word in that. But you know what? World can't have the heart set. God's got the heart set. Jesus got the heart set. That is something to where if we truly let that transform us and that faith, that crisis of faith turns into a, I got to think about this differently and I know I can do it confidently through my heart. All of a sudden what happens is the reality of this walk that we have with God is amazing. <clears throat> and we start to see it really transform where we are. So I leave you with a couple of thoughts and a conclusion here is in order to obey, adjust, obey, and experience God, we must enter that freedom in Christ freely, right? <clears throat> and we must experience God through seeking Him in faith through a relationship with Jesus. And so that what His Son and the Holy Spirit from a new perspective, both heart set and mindset. And where I would, I would say that if you're walking with individuals that, that may be in, in your path, don't quite understand that relationship with Jesus, this thought just may be something that you can leave on their, on their step, have them understand, you know, that, that in order to really obey and adjust, uh, as they're trying to 
work their, their, maybe their new believers and try to work their walk out is it's really that piece of faith, as we said here. And it's because of the cross, right, that there's nothing, there's no height, length, depth, breadth that's insurmountable. And that's in God's word. And that's his promise for us. So I'll leave you here on a conclusion. I think we get out about five minutes early here. But the conclusion is we transform our belief to faith upon what our confession in Christ. We're transformed by faith, called to the endurance in Christ, renewing our mindset and our heart set. So that when a crisis arrives, we're full in our faith, able to make adjustments in order to live in a relationship through Christ and fully, I say fully experiencing the almighty power and presence of the God, our creator. Let me pray for you.